Give for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I was a kid, you're saying, Pastor, this looks dangerous. It is. There's a little flame flickering right here. That, that kind of looks like what's going on in some people's life. Just a little flame, barely maintaining, barely. Looks like that's on its last leg. It, 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 you can't see it. If I let the air conditioner hit it, it's gone. But, you know, just a little light, this little. Remember when we were kids, this little light of mine. Hold your finger up. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, just went out. That must be a spiritual meaning. Oh, it's back on. There we go. It's back on. Anyway, so the, 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 the problem I've had in my life is I love fire. I, I love fire. I love fireworks. I love forest fires. I love matches. I love, and you're saying, now, why do you have a flamethrower at church, Pastor? Because my staff bought it for me for a birthday gift. Now you know we're really strange. But... I ask people the question, and I have this analogy, in life spiritually, do we want to be just a little candle, or do we want to be a, a flamethrower? And, and I was thinking about this. This thing's actually pretty impressive. It goes about 25 foot out. It could toast your hair from back here to there. But as, as somebody who loves fire... You start to think fireworks, matches, campfires, bonfires, fireplaces, uh, starting fires. I love to start fires. And I think I was getting from the spirit and I got caught up in the flesh when I was a child because I loved to play with matches. So much so I was lighting matches one day. I locked the bathroom door and I was just looking at the fire and I was staring at the flame. How many know when you're six and your lip fire is impressive? Remember those Ohio blue tips? Those were awesome. You could always strike them on a rock, right? I just thought those were incredible. I had some with me, and I was looking at the fire, and I was looking at it, and I got a little too close. I don't know if you remember in the 70s, those, uh, those burlap drapes. I think these ones were gold. How many know you can never forget? They were dry and probably some dust in them. And so I was holding it and looking at it, and all of a sudden, boom, it hit the curtain. and went, whoa, like that. And I was like, no. <laughs> and, and before I knew it, I opened the door and took off running. And my brother was up there uh, next door and he seen fire coming out the window and flames coming out the window. And they called the fire department. Thank God they, they were able to put the fire out just in the bathroom and the whole house didn't burn down. But how many know I started to realize fire can get out of control quick. But you know what? In an analogy like in Hawaii and Maui where you see these flames and these fires destroying. How many know uh, th there's two kinds of fire? There's fire that brings life and there's fire that brings death. There's fire that brings joy and there's fire that brings destruction. There's fire that brings a light and a heat. And when it's in controlled and contained can be a huge blessing. In fact, last year when the igniter wouldn't go on and the electric went off and the heat didn't come on in the house and the pilot light went out like that little light did, you're pretty cold all night. And then with the electric out and not having any light, how many know back in the day, David's time, if they didn't have fire, they're in big trouble because they didn't have warmth or they couldn't see anything. Someone say, thank God for fire. But I love this because there's a missionary sitting on our back porch by the name of Scott Fletcher. And he was having a, a prayer meeting in Cambodia. And he heard in the corners, they were praying in the Holy Spirit in their language. And he heard, a, he heard a guy saying something in English, praying in the Spirit, everybody. But this guy started saying, 
Steel City Fire, Steel City Fire, Steel City Fire, Steel City Fire. I'm, I'm getting something in my spirit. I'm just praying it out in Cambodia. Steel City Fire. This is Pastor John Nuzo's nephew. His name's Scott Fletcher. We support him as a missionary. Steel City Fire, Steel City Fire. And he, he called him up after. He said, what, what, what were you saying there? never been out of Cambodia. He said, I don't know. But he said, there's a great revival coming that we've been praying for. And he said, I seen a, is there a city in the United States known for steel that used to refine and make steel? He said, yeah, it's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He said, out of that city, I seen little fires popping up everywhere. And he said, they were consuming the city. And pretty soon this whole city was on fire and this fire started to spread. How many will agree with that? Amen. How many are ready for some steel city fire? So I started looking at this and I said, man, Holy Ghost wants us to be a fire starter as a, as a, as a Holy Spirit arsonist. I'm going to light some stuff on fire and I want you to catch fire, but also want you to help light other people on fire. You say, why? Because Proverbs 20, 27 says the spirit God breathed into man is like a, I love this, a living lamp. Wow. So when every child is born, you have like a candle. The King James says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That means you got a flame that was lit on the inside of you. When you were conceived, yes, in your mother's womb, you were a spirit being. The minute that egg and that sperm came together, God breathed life into that. Baby boy or girl, only baby boy or girl. Are we in agreement? He said, and a shining light searching into the innermost parts of the chamber of our being. So I said, if God let you be a, a flame, a little flame that he lit you with a spiritual light, then we get into the Old Testament and we find out that we're not just a flickering flame, that when you become consumed by the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah 29 said it, I will say, I will not make mention of the Lord or speak of his name. In my mind and heart, it is as there were burning a fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of enduring and holding it in. I cannot contain it any longer. So the question in this series I want you to answer is, are you just going to be the flickering flame? Or I believe God wants you to be a flamethrower. Which are you called to be? Are you called to be a fire that's shut up in your bones that you say? And some of the pastors and teachers as we do this series, how many know religion can be a wet blanket? Religion can be a wet blanket. It says, you know what, man? We don't do that. We don't believe in that Holy Ghost fire. We don't believe in the power of God working in you. There's actually preachers preaching against who the Holy Spirit is and what he's called to do in us. But, but we're called to yield to the Spirit of God so that this flame that's already in us can be ignited and be fired up through us. So how do we go from being a little candle that's the lamp of the Lord to a flamethrower and keep this fire stirred up in us? Leviticus 6.12 in the Old Covenant tells us that we're called to keep this flame burning. And it is your responsibility. Leviticus 6.12 upon the altar... You shall keep burning on it, and it shall not be allowed to go out. The priest shall burn the wood. On every morning he will lay the burnt offering and order it, and he shall burn it upon the fat and the peace offerings. And the fire shall be burning continually upon the altar, and it shall not go out. It's very interesting that 
when you talk about Eli and his sons. And, and I love this statement. I've shared it a couple different times, but it says, Ere that the light of God went out in the temple. The light of God went out in the temple because Eli wouldn't correct his sons and wouldn't do what was meant to be in the temple. They were stealing meat. They were taking offerings. They were in sexual relations with, with temple prostitutes. And there was this crazy sin going on. And, and their job was to keep the candles lit in the temple. That's a type and a shadow. To keep the fire burning. Now we got some Ario Speedwagon. Can I have an amen? Keep the fire burning all night long. But anyway, the, the reality is they were, they were to administer oil and trim the wick and keep the flame burning so that there would be light in the temple. And what if the light goes out in the temple because there were no keepers of the flame? God's called you to keep the flame of God that's burning on the inside of you. And as we kick off this series, I love 1 Kings 18 because it's a story. And the story is very relevant to where we are today, to what we're living out today. And it starts and says, so Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came down. All the people said, how long will ye halt between two opinions? This was a time when Israel gave in to what we call Baal, B-A-L-L. Some say Baal. I think Baal's B-A-L-L. But this is B-A-A-L. Baal worship. Baal and Astroph were two wicked, immoral gods with horns and hoofs. Really wicked looking, demonic type situations that... Israel, because of the carnality and because of the flesh and because of the seduction, they fell toward this God called Baal. And he says, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And then Elijah said unto the people, even only I remain. I'm the only prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So verse 24 says... You will call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of my God. And the God, look at this, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered, said, this is well spoken. This is great. So here we have a situation that's old covenant where all the prophets are gone. Jezebel is destroying the prophets of God. How many know there's a spirit in the earth? And by the way, just to give you a biblical understanding, Jezebel is not just a woman that was evil that was a queen. Jezebel is a spirit that's dominated. It can be a he or she. It doesn't matter. Jezebel is a spirit in Revelations it talks about. And so, you know, people say, oh, pastor's talking to the women today. No, 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 no. That's incorrect. Jezebel is a spirit. Ahab is a spirit. It's a passive spirit. Uh, Jezebel is a controlling spirit. Jezebel is led by seduction. Jezebel is led by control and manipulation. And One of the craziest situations was that Baal worship was full of child sacrifice. That was one of the sexual practices, lewd practices in public, baby sacrifice continually, and crazy cutting yourself so that blood would squirt out so that their God would answer. This is a pretty sick situation here. 
But here's what they did. They said basically, and I'll give you, they can pull up the scriptures as I read them in 26. But basically what they did, they took the oxen, they took the afternoon, the, the, the 12 some sacrifice, and they put the bullock on the altar. And here's Baal worshipers. They start doing what they do to worship their God. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. How many know Baal's dead? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dead God that has no power. But people make in their imaginations, just like today, Satan deceives and puts the spirit of lust, the spirit of what the Greek calls porneia, which is pornography, which comes from immorality and adultery and idolatry and all these issues that involve Baal worship. But it's just interesting that in the middle of this situation, they start screaming and yelling, nothing happens, so they start slicing themselves. They start, actually, it would be modern-day slam dancing with cutting themselves. And they're cutting themselves, and blood is everywhere. And you say, what's a confident man of God do? What's he do? You think he should just be holy and set apart and sit there and go, you know, your God didn't work, but, but you know, we'll see what my God can do. No, no, he was laughing at them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this because you should be laughing at people, but he was filled with confidence because he knew their God was dead. And so the confidence he even mentions in the Bible, where's your God at? Is he using the restroom? Maybe he's gone on vacation. This is, this, is, this is the literal translation. Maybe he went on a picnic. Maybe he's out today. Elijah's kind of making sport of them saying, basically, your God's dead. He's not alive, but my God is alive. So after they do this all day long, nothing happens. And I just love the confidence in this man of God that he's going to ask God for fire. Say, ask God for fire. <laughs> Not just a little flickering flame, but a fire. How many know, I think God opened up his flamethrower in heaven and said, click, I'm going to show these people who God is. And he torched that place. But you say, what did that look like? And it said, and then they took the bullock. It said, Elijah called on the people. He said, oh, Baal, hear. But there was no voice that answered. Verse 27. And it came to pass at noon. Elijah mocked them, pursuing. He's on a journey, pre-adventure. And Elijah came unto the people. He says in verse 30. And he said, come near to you people. And this is very clear. I want you to see this as we study the word today. Come near to me. All the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. How many know there's a spirit of antichrist in the earth that wants to break down the altar of the Lord? There's a spirit of antichrist that wants to have sacrifices of praise or sacrifices of whatever to some other God. But as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down, it says, and then he said, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Israel shall be thy name. And these stones, he built an altar to the name of the Lord. How many know where this new altar is right here? We build an altar right here. This is the altar of God right here in our heart. So he repaired the altar of the Lord. He put 12 stones. And listen to what he said. He made a trench around the altar. And he contained two measures of seed. He said, and he got water. The Bible tells us he got water. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Now, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting day if you got dry sticks and a bullock. And, but he says, go ahead and dig a big trench around this. And they're pouring massive amounts of water on the sacrifice. 
And then the Bible says that the water came down off the sacrifice, came around the trench and filled the trench. So now it looks like a small pond. We got water on the sacrifice, on the wood. We all know wet wood doesn't burn. And now there's water on the sacrifice, on the wood, and it's all around the altar. So to you, being a fire starter, you'd say, this isn't going to work today. If it was gas, it'd be one thing, but water is not going to light. That's in the natural mindset. So the water ran down around the altar in the trench. And then Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art the God of Israel. And I am thy servant. And I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. And the people may know that thou art the God, the Lord. And thou hast turned uh, their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Someone say it out loud. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And listen to this, it consumed the sacrifice, it consumed the wood, it consumed the stones, it licked up the dust, it pulled up the water that was in the trench, and all the people saw it, and they fell on their face and said, your God is the Lord. He is the Lord God. And Elijah said to them, take the prophets of Baal, let them not escape. And they took them down to the valley by the brook of Kishon, and he slew them there. Wow. God answers by fire. Say it out loud. God answers by fire. God answers by fire and he consumes the sacrifice. This is old covenant. But today in the new covenant, we still have a God who answers by fire and he consumes our lives. And it's interesting. The old covenant was always, how do we consume the flesh in the sacrifice? And a sweet odor can go to God. Why? Because in our flesh is no good thing. God's always looking to burn up the carnality, to burn up the chaff, to burn up the the addiction, to burn up the bad way of thinking, to burn up the issues in our life that hold us back. So when we realize that we're a living sacrifice, according to uh, Romans 12 verse, I think it's verse one, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is our spiritual worship. Guess what he tells us? To live by the Spirit, flamed with a fire, says that we have to die daily. And the Holy Spirit is the person of God that's helping you to die. Because he's whispering to you every day. That thing won't have dominion over you. That sin's not going to hold you. God's grace is sufficient. You're not going to be sick. You're going to be healed. You're not going to be cursed. You're going to be blessed. This is is his job as the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're the blessed and not the cursed. He's always whispering us that which we have put into our hearts through the word of God. And then the consuming fire of God doesn't just come on us, but it comes in us for service to do the will of God for our lives. That's why we don't want to be a flickering flame. You say, how does this apply to us today, pastor? Well, here's the deal. Satan has nothing new. He has no new strategies. He still is trying to kill children. He's trying to confuse and twist the next generation. And you say, Pastor, what's the answer? Calling down fire that's in us this time. Every time God shakes the earth, this is just nothing I read, just this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Every time there's a great awakening, every time there's a great move of God, Satan always goes after the kids first. Go go to Egypt where the guy brought me over and said, this is where they threw the babies in. 
This is where uh, the wicked Pharaoh said, we're going to kill all the children. Isn't that weird? And then there's always sexual perversion. Always twisted, crazy. You say, this is new, pastor, this crazy stuff the media is propagating. They're trying to push on our children in the schools. No, no, it's not new. It was just as bad back then. If you study the history books in Josephus, you'll see there was crazy, and, and you can even read 1 Corinthians. It's, it's commonly reported among you sexual immorality. One has sexual relations with, with you know, his, 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 the, the child, with his mother, with his wife, with the, all these things. And these were what they said, Baal worship would entail sexual relations with all kind of people. It was, it was horrific. It was lewd. And it actually comes from the word porneia and idolatry and adultery. Very interest. So here, when God shakes the heaven and shakes the earth, these same old spirits rise up, Ahab and Jezebel. You say, what did it look like? Seduction, immorality, idultery, witchcraft, sacrifice of children. Nothing new. Satan still has the same strategy. Jezebel was trying to kill the prophet. She wanted to kill him. She said, I'm going to kill you. The next day, she said, I'm going to kill you. You just killed all the prophets of Baal. I'm coming after you. And he got a spirit of fear on him. He got real concerned. But it's interesting that this Jezebel spirit that we're dealing with, the same one then is the same one we're dealing with today. And we have to recognize that Here's a couple things this spirit wants to do, and I want you to see if you think it's the same then it was today. This spirit wants to undermine authority and cause division. This spirit wants to emasculate men. See, not, it's not just a woman. It's a Jezebel spirit. It wants to emasculate men. Now, now I'm not that guy that says you've got to be a macho man and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But how many know there's something about a spiritual man that's leading his house? Can I have an Amen. At least from the base section. Can I have an amen from the men? How many know your wife wants you to lead? She wants you to be the spiritual authority and head. We don't need any more passive Ahab spirits in the church. Can I have an amen? Let mom handle the spiritual stuff. Let mom think if we should tithe or serve at church or do whatever. That's not the way the kingdom works. God put you in a place of authority as the leader of your home. And you'll stand accountable for what's going on with your children. And how many know some men need to stand up and say, God, I rebuke the passive Ahab spirit and I'm going to lead well. Can I have an amen? So when this happens, it says, Satan, through the spirit of Jezebel, will steal your spiritual and physical legacy, your seed. Uh, the spirit of Jezebel fights to control and manipulate, loves to shut down worship, to destroy fatherhood in the family, and it wants to kill apostles and prophets. How long will you halt between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. The same spirit that is operating then is operating in the earth today. And this is so crazy because... As we live in these times, I remember, I don't remember because I was a negative 63. I was negative four. But there's a guy I grew up in his Bible school, a guy by the name of Ken Hagen. And he had this prophetic word. You can, I, I actually challenge and encourage you, go on, go on YouTube and just do Kenneth Hagen, 1963, prophetic word. And this prophetic word was pretty powerful because here's what he said. Years before we were at this season... And he said, I seen, that, I'll just paraphrase some of it, but I said, I seen coming out of the east, out of the Atlantic Ocean, 
a dark spirit, a dark cloud. And he said, it's interesting, he said this back then, of atheistic communism trying to come to America. There will be a dark cloud. How many know it's here? And it will try to control men and manipulate people and come after children and come after kids. And, and, and he gets into this seven, eight minute long prophecy and he's hearing about this, the, 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 the different things where they're wrecking shopping centers and burning down places and public places and in different states. And he's prophesying this. And then he starts asking God, is there no remedy? Is there no remedy? God, where is the remedy? And then he said, all of a sudden I saw another prophetic word in the northeastern part of the United States. Someone say, come to Pittsburgh, Jesus. He said, in the northeastern part of the United States, he said, I saw a fire come down upon a city. And he said, that fire came down. And he said, I looked and it consumed people. It was like fire upon their heads and fire in their heart and fire coming out of their mouth. And he said, this is the remedy, the fire of God. And all of a sudden, this fire took off in this city. And he said, this fire began to go from city to city until I looked and the whole United States of America was on fire. How many know good fire? I'm not talking about Hawaii and destructive fire. I'm talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit that is in and on people. And so when I, when I saw that, the Lord said, just ask this question. How long will we halt between two opinions? See, it's very clear today. Spirit of God, spirit of Baal. It's very clear today. Choose ye this day who you will serve. I remember in 1972 and a half, my father said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say we're going to enjoy the Lord. He said we will serve the Lord. Serve means an action of faith. We're going to do the will of God. As for, come on, men, say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you believe it, shout amen. But then he says this, we're going to rebuild the altar of the Lord so that we're living sacrifice. And then here's what the Lord put in my spirit. And Seth and I touched on it in general, Bob, a little bit yesterday. But he said, what was so renowned about Elijah? That the Bible tells us in Malachi, in that great and terrible day of the Lord, God shall come. And he said, he's going to turn back the hearts of the fathers to their kids. He said, he's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And the Amplified says, a reconciliation produced by repentance. Think about that. A reconciliation produced by repentance. And I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their kids. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. How many know that when you rise up. And what would the earth be like right now if there was spiritual fathers everywhere that said, you aren't taking my kid into sex trafficking and I'm not sleeping till I find my child. I'm not sleeping till I know where my kid is. I'm going to find my son because my legacy, my heritage is my children. And Abraham said, we're called and commanded to teach them and train them up in the Lord so that the seed can perpetuate the fire of God from generation to generation. So as we stand up and do this, the Lord said it takes a spirit of faith. How many know that's a spirit of faith that walks around and says, I don't care what's going on. You can put water on that sacrifice. You can do whatever you want to do. But I know who my God is, and those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. So, so as we know our God, he said, I put this flame down on the inside of you. I put this ability of Holy Spirit fire to be able to touch, to be able to fire you up. 
And it says, the spirit of faith says, I'm going to ask God. And I'm asking you for the next 30 days in this series to pray every day. God, answer our prayers. Find a day a week you can come to prayer in corporate setting and pray with us. What if we'd be like Elijah and say, Father, answer us by fire. How many know it sounds pretty bad if you were around and ever, all the Christians were dead but one prophet? You, you might run for your life and hide. But the spirit of boldness and the spirit of faith said, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to taunt their God. I'm going to make fun of their God because I know my God and I'll be strong and do exploits. And Father, I ask you to answer by fire. I'm not sure what's going on with the government, but they're not my source. God is. I'm not sure what's going on with the economy. That's not my source. God is. I'm not sure what's going on in the medical world. They're prophesying another fear factor coming this fall, another disease. Mask up. I went there the other day. I was in the airport. They said, get ready on airplanes to put masks back on. I said, I'm not doing that ever, ever. I'm not stopping church ever, ever again. How many know we have to learn something about the spirit of faith and boldness that stays in motion? How many are ready to throw some flames? Amen. So in this hour, you can either be a little burned out candle or you can be a flamethrower. Which are you going to be? You have a choice. And so as I was reading this, I started thinking, how do we have that spirit of faith to ask God for something big? And you know what? It's not about a sacrifice. It's about consuming our lives so that you can't let the religious wet blanket Christians that just don't believe God's powerful. We have people teaching in churches today saying that there is no move of the Spirit, that there is no move of fire of God. And they talk like these people, pastors, these people think you can have an experience for, with God. These people think God heals. These people think he's given them a prayer language. How many know that is the truth? <laughs> and so as we're passionate about this, I appeal you, brethren, I just read it, by the mercies of God, that you be a decisive dedication of your bodies to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And then I look at 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God? You are not your own, for you've been purchased with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, which belongs to God. Then in Hebrews 12, 29, he says, For our God is what? Our God is a consuming what? If you get close to God, you're going to catch on fire. If you stay far from God, you might live a dry, burned out life. But if you get consumed with the word of God, if you fill up with the fuel of his word, and you, there, there's an interesting thing the other day when we couldn't get it to work because the igniter wasn't working yet. So we, we hit this thing like this and, and it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't ignite. Because these two, little, these two little igniters weren't working then. But you ever heard that on your grill when you're out of gas? And it goes click, click, click. You just have a bunch of people over. You got a bunch of beautiful steaks ready to put on. This happened to my family so many times. And my dad would go, oh, son. I said, what? He said, we're out of gas. We're getting ready to cook all this food. We got to run and get a cylinder of propane, propane gas. Or sometimes the igniter's not working. And so what we got to do as believers, here's this little tank here. You fill this thing up with some fuel. The fuel of your life is the word of God. Can I just be honest with you? I don't want you to jump up and shake and fall out. I just want you to know if you don't have any fuel in your little tank, 
you're not going to be able to ignite the fires. You have to have fuel in your tank. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not just at church Sunday morning, not just at life group. You have to wake up every day and you have to covet the word of God. You have to do what David said. I've studied thy word and thy word, Psalms 119. Thy word has been my song in the house of my pilgrimage. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. If you don't have the word to pour fuel into your tank, you will get off somewhere. There's so many people off because they don't take it. I judge everything by the word of God. So is my word forever settled in heaven. The word cannot lie. The promise of God cannot return empty. It will accomplish Isaiah 55, the thing where unto God has sent it. So this is powerful, right? You go, you can be walking around. You go, my flamethrower, it's ready to go. I'm ready to judge any issue that Satan might have. I'm going to blow that thing out by the fire of God. Babe, I'm not going to burn your hair down. Trust me. She's like, don't point it. It's not, that's just the battery, babe. It's all, my wife's concerned. Reach your hands toward my wife. She knows she thinks she's going to burn something up. Okay, I'll turn it off there. Okay, but anyway, feel better? Anyway, so I got this thing full of fuel, right? And, and that's the way it is. The grill's full of fuel or the, the grill's empty of fuel or it is full, full, full of fuel. But here's the reality is the igniter's not working. And so it's a click, 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 nothing, nothing, no spark, no spark. And I said, Lord, what's the, what's the, what's that igniter do? He said, that igniter is your lips. You can have all the fuel. You can have all the word in you. And that has been a huge problem in this area because people say when it comes to a spirit of faith, they say, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because that's not real. I'm not going to say, but the Bible says we call things that be not as though they were. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible says we are the blessed and not the cursed. So the word profession means to say the same thing that God says about you. This word profession, the Greek word is homologia. So that homo means the same, to say the same thing that God says about you. (laughs) I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. If God is for me, who can be against me? God is on my side. I love the scripture in John 16, 33, that one of the brothers said at the beginning, I think he said it on the screen. He said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, trials, and tests of all sorts. But you know what? Be of good cheer, for I've overcome this world, and I deprived it of its power to harm you. Come on, someone say joy. Joy. And so when I look at this, I go, wow, God is so good that in the midst of transgender dysphoria, confusion, sexual confusion, and, and, and if you listen to this stuff too much, you'll go crazy. People call me every day. How come they did this in a school? How come they said this about my kid? How come in California you can choose your gender? And they're passing laws that says a kid that's a five-year-old should be able to choose what they want to be. This is chaos. This is confusion. You say, how are you going to solve that? Fire of God. How are you going to not give in to the media and the spirit of fear? Fire of God. Little bit of flame on the inside of you that's the candle of the Lord. But I start to pray in the Holy Ghost because I learn how to ignite my lips according to Isaiah 6. He said, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm a man that's unclean and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the king. And then he goes on to say, what can I do? Um, will you forgive me? And it says, I took a coal off the altar, a fire. Notice it was a fire. 
It was a fire. And I took the coal off the altar and I touched your mouth. Isn't it interesting in Romans 10, it tells us that this spirit of faith, that the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. This is the word of faith that we preach. So if they tell Seth next week in school that we were praying about, if they tell Joey, you either preach this curriculum to the kids about sexual perversion, you either say that this is the way things are, or we're going to take your paycheck. Joey waves and says, bye, you're not my source. God is because I'm a man filled with the fire of God and filled with the Holy Ghost. If, if his principal or his guy that's over him comes and says, Seth, you have to do this. Seth's a man of righteousness. How many know there's a turning in America when people are filled with the fire of God and there's Holy Ghost boldness on you? It has to get fueled in your fire, but it has to come to your lips. There is no salvation without confession. My word is nigh thee, even in my mouth and thy heart. This is the word of faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That igniter changes everything. That is your tongue. James 3 talks about the power of the tongue can turn a big ship. The bridle, the bit in a horse's mouth will put pressure on the tongue. In the midst of their situation, the Holy Spirit flame rises up and says, says, sorry, I'm not moved by money. I'm not moved by the abundance of it or the lack of it. I'm only moved by the word of God because my fuel tank is full and I'm going to ignite the will of God in the earth. Can I have a better amen? amen? That's the way the kingdom works. Look at Matthew 3.11 as we close. Indeed, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than thy, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor, I knew about the water. Hmm. I knew about the water. I knew about immersion. I knew about going under in the death and coming out of the water in the resurrection. But he said, the one who comes, Jesus, he's going to baptize you with fire of the Holy Spirit. How many could use some fire of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Come on. Say, I, I, come on. Say, I want some fire. fire. See, now, now remember, the spiritually dead are led by their head. You say, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig into this series. You don't miss it this month. But God wants to make you a spiritual flamethrower. I can light anything on fire. And I'm not talking just to be cute. I'm going to do that a little bit outside. But I'm just not saying that to literally in your spirit, God's called you to be a spiritual arson. That everywhere you go, things burn up. Everywhere you go. And you know what? When you get around other people that are on fire, and, and now we got some young people getting saved, and they want to open a business. They want to open a church. They want to open a ministry. They want to sell everything and move to. One guy told me, I want to move, and I want to go give my life to be a martyr. Another guy told me, I want to go stop sex trafficking. I'll leave my family and everything and sell everything. Okay, hold up. Let's wait a minute. I'm not saying that's wrong, but how many know we need to contain the fire? We need to control the fire. You don't need to stop and go into the ministry tomorrow. You have a ministry. You are a minister of reconciliation. Wherever you're at, you're a minister of reconciliation. And what we're going to do in this series, by the end of the month, your flame's going to be blown like a blowtorch. Can I have an amen? Yeah. You have to make that decision.
But listen what he says as I close. He tells us in Acts 2, suddenly they heard a violent blast rushing into the house under the heavenly realm. And the roar of a wind was so overpowering that all anyone could bear. And then once a pillar of fire, someone shout fire, appeared before their eyes and it separated in them tongues of fire engulfed each one of them and they were all filled and equipped with the holy spirit and they were aspired to speak in new tongues empowered by the spirit to speak languages they'd never learned wow wow does does everyone in this church believe this is for today how many believe it's not rachel i'm just kidding with you we won't do that in here but look at Thessalonians 5, 18, and it says, And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. Okay, what's your assignment today? In the midst of everything, always be giving thanks. See, that's only happening by the Spirit. See, all this stuff in your life that the Bible asks you to do, if you don't have the help of the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble. If he hasn't touched your lips and ignited the will of God and the word of God in your life, you're in trouble. If you can't understand that when your flame was lit, God made you a speaking spirit. God made you in his image likeness for dominion. He made you to decree, son, be healed. Daughter, be healed. Rise up. We have more than enough. You don't live by by what this earth says, the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many know that's a big victory when you yield to the Holy Spirit? And so now you yield to the Holy Spirit and he says, in the midst of everything, always give thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so today as I close, I was thinking, Lord, how come, how come people think I'm kind of crazy but kind of normal? And I thought about my dad. Come worship team. Come on. Set a fire down in my soul. How, how many, how many, how many that had a role model, and I realized something that happened in about 1973. That when my dad and mother got saved, and then us kids did, I was teaching this in Tulsa last week at a Bible school. And we asked this question, and let's ask it right now. How many got someone saved in the last year? Raise your hand. Couple. One. Hold your hand up high. Hold your hand up high. Let everyone see. How many got someone saved in the last month? Raise your hand. How many got someone saved in the last week? About three or four. You see, if the fire of the Holy Spirit's really touched you, and, and my dad asked my mom, he was an imperfect man. He, he was imperfect. <laughs> he was... <laughs> But he was a man of faith. He was a man of love. And he was a man of power. But I realized something that once your fuel tank is filled and your heart is overflowing, something has to be ignited with your mouth. And I was embarrassed at first as a kid. And I couldn't figure out why does my dad have to tell all my friends about Jesus? Why does he not stop talking to the barber? Why does he not stop talking to my coaches? Why does he not stop talking to Ford Motor Company? Why is he always praying with people? Why everywhere we go does he have to lay hands on the sick? Right? And there's some people that knew him. George, you back there? 
George had a birthday this month. Come on, Greg Putnam had a birthday. Teresa had a birthday. But, but George is over 80. I won't say how much over 80, but George is a great man of God too. Do you remember my father telling people about Jesus? Every single place I went, wait a minute, my godmother's in the house. Whoa. Janet, we love you. But, but I, I could be in the car with him alone. And my dad would say, son, let's stop and tell this guy about Jesus. You say, what, what was going on? He got filled with the Holy Spirit, and a guy by the name of Joe Jeremita said, Bruce, you got saved. I'm taking you out witnessing next week. And, and something happened at Oakmont Baptist Church where he, to the day I told them, to the day he passed away, he was in the Hillman Center, and he would get Uncle O in the midst of affliction, and he'd get a bunch of tracts and Bibles and say, today, the Marines are coming to Hillman. He'd limp in with his cane, and he'd start telling people, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And at his funeral, people lined up and started telling me things and stories and giving gifts and say, in tears, your dad rescued me from hell. He told me about Jesus. But we celebrate that like it's a big deal. No, no, no. Everybody who's filled with the fire is telling somebody about Jesus. Everybody who's filled with the boldness of the Holy Ghost is casting out devils. Everybody that's filled with the fire of God is speaking with new tongues. Everybody that's filled with the fire of God wants to meet with a believer and iron sharpen iron and sign up for a life group. Everyone that gets filled with the Holy Ghost, God touches your lips so that he can knight the will of God for your life so that you can be all God's called you to be. How many are ready to be a flamethrower? Come on, do we have any takers? Yeah. 